I'm with you. I could I could disagree on some things, but you're out of your goddamn mind with this fucking shit about Tyrese being like good charismatic. Yeah, no. Charismatic is effortless charisma. No, yeah, he's a misogynistic. He's terrible. They did talk about something that we didn't, and I'm glad they did because it did annoy me in the movie. How easy it is that they talk to one another in like other cars. The yeah, cars with, like, well, the and that's, that's like throughout the franchise too. <laughs> Always happens. Yeah, I right. just kind of like assumed it was like walkie talkies or something. I just kind yeah, of like, yeah. I'll let my suspension of disbelief. Like, well, I think yeah. they actually they tried in five or six where they had like walkie talkies or like at least earpieces or something. Yeah, but in this they don't even give a fuck. Like they don't try at, <laughs> at all, and they don't need to. No, they don't. <laughs> you okay, Tom? <laughs> all right, guys, are we ready? I think so. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis. And as always, I am with my two lovely, beautiful, sexy co-hosts, oh. Colin and Craig. Colin, how are you? Oh, well, uh, I'm good, Dennis. <laughs> I know. I'm like All catching right. the vapors over here. Yeah. And, sugar. And, and that was Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, uh, you join us for our part two of our multiple part block of sci-fi movies. That sounded all right. Uh, it's going to be five parts. It's going to be five parts. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest block we've ever done. Yes, over a month of sci-fi movies, which I am just stoked about because it's my favorite genre, guys. Yeah. I don't think I've been secret about that at we've all. We've got yeah, two awesome guests coming on yeah. for, their, for their block, so yep, yep. pretty stoked uh, about that. Both, both bringing movies that I have never seen before. I've seen snippets of uh, Sunshine, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alright, well, uh, this week is what? Uh, it's Craig's pick. Um, Craig brought this for us all to watch. It's uh, Fifth Element, which is a Luc Besson movie from... What year do we got? 1997. 97. Yeah. Cool. Well, it might be a little obscure. I don't know if you know many people have heard of it. Oh, yeah. Anything, yeah. I don't know if it's a, you know, kind of a not-that-well-known movie. I, you know, I've never heard it referenced in pop culture, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. So I figured, yeah, we'd, we'd try and bring this one into, like, the you know main culture. Yeah. Like, help people, like, realize how great of a movie this, this is. This little cult classic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is this, culty, this that's for little, sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> cult movie that cost ninety three million dollars. Right. <laughs> it, it has like some of the biggest names at the time in it. You know, exactly. <laughs> it, it is a goddamn cult classic, and um, I'm glad you brought this up, Craig, and just in time for um, Luke Besson's return to awesome imaginary sci-fi, which is Valerian, which is coming out this summer. Yes, this is based on an old comic book series, which I am super super stoked about. It sounds like it's something that he's been wanting to do for a very long time, and it looks just as visionary and just as crazy as uh, Fifth Element was. But anyways, uh, before I ramble on more about this movie, I'm going to pass it on to you to introduce us all to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, The Fifth Element starts uh, in 1914. Uh, Professor Piccoli, played by John Bluthel, discovers uh, the place where an alien race called the Mandoshawan have secured the universe's best and final defense against a prophesied force of pure evil. The Mandoshawan arrive to move the weapon against evil because they believe Earth is too dangerous a place to keep it at the time. As they are moving the stones and sarcophagus, Billy, played by Luke Perry, becomes frightened and accidentally shoots one of the aliens as the priest, John Bennett, uh, played by John Bennett, tries to calm him. The Mandoshawan is trapped in the tomb, but gets the key to the priest with the directive to pass along the story until the time that the weapon is needed again. In the future, uh, a large planet-sized forest is heading for Earth and President Lindbergh, played by Tommy Lister, and the military are trying to stop it. Uh, General Steddart, played by John Neville, proposes shooting it with everything they've got, uh, which ends up only making the force grow stronger, something that Father Vito Cornelius, played by Ian Holm, warns them of. 
Out of options, they defer to Cornelius's advice and await the Mandashawin, who they believe are traveling with the weapon to defeat the evil. The Mandashawin are ambushed by the Mangalore, and the only thing that survives is the hand of the sarcophagus and the case which the Mangalore, which the Mangalore have stolen for Zorg, played by Gary Oldman. In a lab, uh, Mac Tilbur, uh, played by Christopher Fairbank, explains that he can regenerate the full body from the hand because of the superior genetics and does so. Enter Lilu, the fifth element, supreme being, gift of the gods, mother of dragons, oh, sorry. Um, and uh, she escapes uh, and in her chase crashes into Corbin Dallas, who um, brings Lilu to Vito and his assistant David and is forced out soon after. It is discovered by Vito, the military, and Zorg that the stones they are looking for uh, to accompany the fifth element as the ultimate weapon will be on Flost in Paradise, and they all vie for a way to get onto the exclusive planet. The military fixes a radio contest for Corbin to win, and everyone else tries to put him out of commission to take his place. The real Corbin succeeds and takes Lulu, posing as his wife, to the planet to meet the diva Plava Laguna, uh, Besan's then wife, uh, Mei Wen. Um, Zorg and the Mangalore um, and Corbin and Lilu all converge uh, in the hotel and there is a firefight. The diva is killed and reveals to Corbin that the stones are inside of her. Um, and with the stones retrieved and Lilu unconscious after her encounter with Zorg, they make their way to Egypt to stop the looming evil. At the temple, they are unsure how to activate the stones until David sighs, blowing on the air stone, and they realize each stone must be matched with its element. The stones are activated, the evil defeated, and we end with Corbett and Lilu getting down in an incubator like the one that Lilu was made from. And that is the ins and outs. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, uh, the, uh, oh, the fifth element. <laughs> I get it because it ends with them having sex. Uh, what an excellent movie. I, I think we've all been huge fans of this movie for many years. It's oh, just yeah. the best um, example of like stylized sci-fi to me. It is. And it, it's just like a, an amazing job of world building. Yeah. And and like every time you watch, I've seen this movie so many times. Every time I watch it, I'm just I wish there was more. I wish there was just another shot into like another window into this crazy world that that is built. Yeah, let's just see like have someone come out and do like another story entirely separate from these characters, right. like set in this world. It yeah, so cool. Like it, it can follow any like pick a character. Well, honestly, that's kind of like in my mind what like i'm like kind of fanboying and imagining in terms of valerian since it's like right. the you know planet of or the what is it the the world of a thousand planets the city so, of a thousand, thousand planets. planets yeah i'm like hoping that like one of those is just like the gateway one into of the, the universe of yeah the fifth <laughs> element world i'm sure there's gonna be reference and to yeah it. and i hope that there's at least like one you know like reference to like a mangalore or like a mandashawan in there like i will be i, I will yeah just ah! that just seeing like yeah amanda shawan like one of those like <laughs> slow moving like armored suits moving in the background of a scene would be it's, enough for me honestly it's great it's it's like <laughs> what it is to me it's a uh, um it's Hitchhiker. It's the universe of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but done like more adult and like better. I think yeah. I, it's like that, but way more French. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. It's the French well, version. It's, it's really, really French. Yeah. Just like all Luc Besson movies. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, Luc Besson, you know, is noted as saying is that he was a little disappointed that this movie actually like happened so fast ah. because he actually would have wanted it to happen like 
just after this movie came out was kind of when computer technology and movies kind of blew up. Oh, yeah. And he was saying, like, he totally would have wished he could have just made, like, a full-on just, like, computer-generated world. Like, he has no problems or qualms with, like, making like using computer generated effects in his movies. And he really wishes that he could have done more of that with the fifth right. element. So I think Valerian is, you know, him actually getting to do that in his sci-fi world and Most getting definitely. to like, go like balls to the walls on this crazy concept for this old, like, and it's like a childhood favorite of his too, yeah. is what I'm, I'm super stoked about. And, uh, and that he gets a chance to play with all that. But I will argue, uh, before we get into all this, and before we get into our costumes, which are just... To, which, which need to be talked uh, about. Yeah, I mean, they are fucking pretty distracting. Uh, is that the fact that he was uh, technologically restrained, that, the, that these CGI effects weren't affordable to him for a fifth element, is what makes it so amazing you know that he oh, had to rely on these practical effects and practical I, set yeah, pieces i totally stuff. agree like yeah. um because like for instance like the 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 um door thief at the beginning uh that like tries to rob um Corbin, uh, yeah, Corbin, he out. yeah, like, like he has, a, he has a picture of the hallway I, on his hat, right? <laughs> Before you scream about this, let me scream about it. <laughs> and, and he has it facing the door, so like, so when Corbin looks at the door, like he sees an empty hallway, and like, no, it's just like a picture that's on his head. And now, if there was technology available, that would just be a hologram that's projected from his head, yeah. instead of like a stupid fucking yeah. picture. But, but, Go ahead but, and scream. but what I was gonna say is like, get out of my head because I noticed that for the first time watching it really oh really yeah i always thought he just had this crazy you know luke Besson world crazy hat on i didn't notice until this time that it's a picture of the empty hallway yes. yeah because <laughs> like, it's just a split second that's what's so great about this movie is that like it's a it's a split second shot of corbin dallas checking the hallway to make sure it's empty before he opens the door and, like, if you didn't see that moment, then you would just think that, boy, is this guy sitting in the hallway with a fucking crazy-ass hat on. I don't care. This is Luke Besson. Exactly. <laughs> also, I wonder if that was just Bruce Willis's actual reaction. Because when he kind of gives that, like, chuckle, like, that kind of, like, subdued, like, <laughs> laugh, that totally just feels like it just happened in that moment. Like, and they, I, didn't, like they didn't tell him the context yeah. of the costume. <laughs> and, he's just exactly. like, and he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I would so love it if, if that's what happened that Lupuson did not tell <laughs> Bruce Willis that that's what was going to happen when he opened the door and he opens the door and he's just that's his natural reaction is to laugh like that <laughs> oh that's so good oh gosh uh, um, and sorry going back to like the beginning of the movie just a little bit I was wait hang on I'm sorry I gotta no. talk about these costumes no. let's get this oh, yeah. out of the way real quick um uh, Craig by god I mean you're the you're the TV star, the the radio host, uh, Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. Like, I mean, you look. You're I dressed mean, like a flower. Your hair is like a flower. You have a microphone that looks like a giant rose. Like, see, you nailed the, it. And the thing, the best part about it is, just like in this movie, like you know, the first you know couple of minutes that I was doing this, people were like really on board. And then, you know, like within an hour of like me being this character, and I did this all week, like people wanted to kill me. Like it was just, you know, I was just loud and abrasive and just constantly screaming at everything. And I mean, it was it was fun at first. And then people just really just didn't like it for some reason. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I noticed that, you know, you've, you've put out a Craigslist ad for, you know, a place to live and, you know, like looking for a job and yeah is it all because of this costume i mean yeah i mean i i kind of 
lost my job as a result people of, people of don't understand art craig just, that's that's a god it's performance shame. art people okay <laughs> well Fucking I'll, get over it <laughs> i've also noticed that you uh i mean you're a gay man but throughout this whole week while you've been this character you've been seducing women like left and right just as commitment to being ruby rod i mean what can i say <laughs> it's uh it, it's it's really weird. I actually didn't even really try that hard. It was it was just something that happened, and as soon as I put on the costume, it was, yeah, it, it, I was kind of just a pussy magnet. So, don't ask me why, don't ask me how, but uh, just just you're welcome. It. You're welcome, ladies. Um, yeah, and uh, Dennis, like, not only did you get to you know use your prosthetics this week, you also got to express your ginger pride as Lilu, like. <laughs> congratulations like once thank again you. thank you like you we've brought together this like you yep. know last week you got to be like uh oh no that was that was two weeks ago now with uh with the fate of the furious where you got to be a uh, torment yep. and uh, and you got to put those prosthetics back to good use so well i just took the hair from the beard and put it as the hair for my wig um so kind of looks the same, but yeah, yeah, you know, it works. I mean, it's kind of like, did you like get like a weave? Because I know you're like, you're kind of already yeah. got the ginger thing going yeah, on. Yeah. So you got to like the, you know, get the fake dreads that she's got going on yeah. in the movie. You know, it's pretty disgusting, but <laughs> it's, you know, it's got to suffer for art. So, yeah. <laughs> and just wearing duct tape has been kind of uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the straps, right? you know, that iconic Lulu costume, but, but I, yeah, I'm. I'm surprised you don't have like more of a rash from the tape. And, oh, I, I do. It's um, <laughs> it's there's a lot of makeup. Going yeah, on. I was like, it even snowed yesterday. You must have been pretty cold. I, I am freezing. <laughs> um, but um, uh, just anyways, <laughs> under Colin and his uh wonderful Corbin Dallas. Um, he's just kind of are nailing it on the head right there with a. Uh, you got your like wrecked taxi cab that you're hauling around everywhere that you go. I, I and... do. Uh, that thanks again to uh, Craig and his scenery team for the uh, the wrecked taxi cab. Yeah. But uh, I've got you know the short uh, military cut. I, I've got like four different uh, future guns. Yes, that are, I've like, noticed. Strapped me and like sitting around here oh, in right. the taxi. And like the blown out sleeve, like I noticed that like you don't have any sleeves in your wardrobe. Like, oh yeah, I I have not worn any sleeves for the past week. <laughs> I gotta say your wig guys do a really good job too because I mean it's kind of easy to make a wig look kind of realistic with longer hair, but like they somehow made a buzz cut like that just looks so realistic. So yeah, bravo this, to your wig guys this, again. This, this was a difficult one because he had, I had to like go in for about four hours while he individually glued these hairs uh, to my head. And it, it was a very labor-intensive process. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, that's unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dedicated to his craft. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, um... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so we were talking about how much we love uh, this movie, and so do audiences and people in general. It has a 7.7 on IMDb. Uh, critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 71%. Audiences on Rotten Tomatoes give it an 87%. Good. And it was a, a big hit at the time as well. Had a budget of $93 million and had a gross of $263 million. Damn, it's late. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't a sequel. Um, I'm glad there wasn't. Yes. Because you know it would be bad. You know it would be pretty terrible. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't have gotten Bruce Willis or Mia back for, no, for yeah. one of them, at least. 
<laughs> it would have been speed two all over again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And we didn't need that. No. Yeah, they would have got Sandy Bullock in, in place of Mila Jovovich. It been, yeah, okay. It was Sandy Bullock and then, like, who? Like, Richard Gere? Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. In that maybe, one. Luke, maybe Luke Perry, because Luke Perry was in this Dude, one. Dude, why is he and, headlining? Like, yeah, no, I, that was one of my first notes. Is Luke Perry, that's just how big of a star he was in, in the time, I guess, was that he gets an and credit, right. and he's in the movie for like 10 minutes. If, if that, that, yeah. That, if that. Yeah. Like, he has maybe two minutes of screen time. Yeah. Like, no. It's amazing, and 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 you keep on thinking he's going to come back, but no, because he's no, trapped in 1914. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, this movie you know, takes place two hundred years later. Time warp. Who knows? I don't know. It's alien technology, right? Um, oh, I I uh, need to talk about um, just how like the the stylizedness of this movie. We kind of briefly talked about it with the halt with the door thief and like his costume and this the weirdness about that but i think it kind of is exemplified in um when uh corbin dallas is talking to the uh restaurant guy like the, oh yeah you know I what i'm talking that. about yeah, when the guy who's got oh, like yeah, the, the floating all the flying noodle cars shop and yeah flying yeah. noodle shop is like a, a chinese like barge right like, so we're in this like we're in this universe that like like the president of the federation of planets or whatever the fuck is in charge of like 300 billion people or some shit that he mentions so there's a lot of people right but like Corbin Dallas has this very personal relationship with this noodle guy who flies around in a car in New York City serving noodles out of his car boat, like, to win out of his window. And well, it's I like, mean, oh, I know you for, for a person. Like, oh, your mother's all right. Like, well, I'll I mean, open your mail for you. <laughs> and, like, that plays into the whole world of this movie and just makes it so awesome. Like, Well, yeah, if there's, yeah, and if there's one thing we've learned from Law & Order via John Mulaney, it's that every New York bartender or restaurant owner knows every customer knows that's every ever customer come through ever. their place so that's, that's true <laughs> but, but on top of that there's also like the mcdonald's of the future is on like the 75th floor of a building right and, like the cops are still going through the drive through there yeah. yeah and the employees have like those weird sexy outfits and stuff oh and they're so sexy <laughs> well yeah even like yeah the flight attendants have that same thing going too yeah. like, all the service workers are sexy yeah like yeah. male and female like they're just <laughs> sexy it's like if you're in service you're sexy like, <laughs> in, in the year what 2214 well, so that's the thing is there's actually like some mixing mixed reactions or mixed uh accuracy in terms of yeah because apparently at one point in the film it says that it's 2263 on the dvd it says that it's 2257 and like in an interview, Luke Bassan said it was like twenty two fifty nine. So there's like no one really has apparently a clear idea of exactly what year this is. So in it's, movie. It, it, the, but it does begin in nineteen fourteen. Yeah, so yes. it should and be like twenty two fourteen because it's yeah, supposed to be like be just three hundred years, years later. But yeah, no, it's it's all over the map in terms of when this actually the year it actually is in the movie. Well, we all know the French can't math. <laughs> <laughs> They're lovers, not calculators. They're lovers, well, not calculators. Well, one thing they can do is language. Oh, um, fuck yeah. Because Luc Besson came up with the divine language that is spoken in this movie on his own, but it was developed by Mila Jovovich, um, who picked this up almost immediately and had no problem with learning the language and developing it because she already spoke four languages before the movie started. Right, yeah. She just, like, <laughs> invented this language with Luc Besson on set and, like, 
it's and they would like write letters to each other in it and right. like carry on full conversations on set in this language that they created together right that's so amazing yeah <laughs> and, it, and it plays into her performance which is probably her only good performance that she's ever done in my biased opinion I mean, I like her in the first Resident Evil movie, um, but I don't think it's a great movie overall. A movie, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, like I said, it's not. It's not a good movie. Like, but I like her in it. But yeah. I would say that, that despite like the rest of her career, Mila Jovovich is great in this movie. Oh, she's yeah, she's I mean, fantastic. She's very well, good. and then I also don't really remember Dazed and Confused all that well, which is kind of is she I in guess, that? She's in yeah, that? she's in yeah. She, that's like I think it was her first movie even. Um, but yeah, that was in a very hazy part portion of my college years, i first so. knew of her as a uh a musician my sisters had her music when i was growing up and then like uh like i noticed that she was in this i was like oh my god it's the same person and it's like oh my god that's the same person and, yeah. and just lots of lots of background shots for boobs yep oh yeah she's like yeah. changing shirts all the time oh yeah oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah i but mean that goes French, for like, like any <laughs> jovovich movie though like she's always like i think it's like in her contract where she's like no, I gotta get naked for a movie. Like, if am I in your movie, I gotta get naked. I don't like, think she minds. Like, no, she's just no. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> also, for the Mandashawans, like the crazy armored alien people, yes, to have like developed intergalactic travel, they move like fucking molasses on a winter day. <laughs> I know like, it's the funniest. <laughs> they're just like, eh, always eh, a, a good a good cow tipping could defeat their entire species if you just like, went over and tipped them all over yeah. you could take over their whole planet what i love about that scene too is it's supposed to be like oh we're so impressed by these aliens who are coming to like the 1914 and they're getting off the ship and it's like, ka-chunk 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 <laughs> it's, it's the slowest moving things yeah, there's all, there's all these weird, like, things with, like, technology being, like, advanced, but still somehow, um, like, obsolete. Like, they have, like, the space gate, where they're, like, the, when, like, the Manda Shawans are coming in in the future. Right. And they have, like, the space gate where they let them in. And then it's, like, after they, like, come through, it's, like, the Mangalores just fly right over it anyway. And I'm, like, right. oh, yeah, this is about as effective as a border wall. Right. Like, <laughs> where you can just fly right over it. Like... <laughs> I know the the movie is filled with crap like that, and it, and it plays into like the whole weird world that it that it's in, you know, and like the puppetry and all this stuff. That's just like like um, um Gary Oldman's character. I can't believe we we've been, oh. we've been doing this for nearly a half hour and we haven't talked about Gary Oldman is in this movie. He's incredible, and oh my movie. fucking god, yeah. he's incredible! Like he is amazing. He has a metallic limp. And it's never explained. <laughs> it's just, like, re referenced once. He's got, like, half of his head is, like, clear plastic. That's never explained. He's got, like, a strange accent and, like, soul patch. Neither of which are explained. I think those are just actor choices. Yeah. I think he just decided, <laughs> he just I'm going to be Southern. <laughs> I'm going to have this limp. And I think he might have just gotten that from Luc Besson because I'm amazed that he worked with Luc Besson again after The Professional. Because the, the famous story about The Professional and, like, the... Gary Oldman's great line reading in it of everyone <laughs> is that he didn't he was doing a bunch of a bunch again and again and again of pretty normal takes of saying bring everyone bring everyone and like Luke Besson kept saying no bigger go bigger go bigger and he eventually said Gary I promise I won't use it 
just give me one where you're going so completely over to the top it's insane and so gary oldman did he gave him that take and that's the one that luke Besson used <laughs> oh i'd be so pissed if i was oldman <laughs> yeah. oh man he said i promise i won't use it and then he uses, and then he it. uses it anyways oh man well, it's funny because i love how he uses like there's like one point where he delivers a line and it's like straight up like out of dr seuss uh because like the mangalers have brought back an empty case and he's like where are the stones and he's like Four stones! Not one, not two, not three, but four! And I'm like, only Gary Oldman could, like, deliver that Dr. Seuss motherfucking oh, yeah. line. And really like, works. and just, like, yeah. like, be, like, so just and, and he's got, like, a weird, impactful. Yeah, and he's got, like, a weird lisp, and he's, like, spitting, and, yeah. like, he, oh, he's so weird, and, like, oh, so crazy. And, like, um, I love the scene when, like, um, the, um, the, the, God, Cassius, the man that embodies doddering, um, He's like the physical embodiment of doddering, by the way. Cassius, the priest. Oh, yeah. He's just like a doddering for like the two oh, hours wait, of this Cornelius? movie. Cornelius? Cornelius. Cornelius, yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the great Ian Holm. Yes, yeah. Ian Holm. Um, and he's summoned to Zorn's office and Zorn is choking. And the Ian Holm could just like let him choke to death. But he like saves his life. And like while like Zorn is like struggling to like unchoke himself, he like turns on all this crazy shit on his desk. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just this like puppet of this like animal with like that's like an elephant thing, it's like a weird yeah. elephant slug. Yeah, and it's just like it comes out of a box on his desk and just sits and, there and, and like watches him choke to death. And, and you get these like static shots, these good shots of this thing having these like blue eyes, like these crystal blue eyes, just like looking at him and like, oh yeah. <laughs> and then Ooh. later in the movie, that thing is like draped around his neck. Really? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, later in the movie, he's like carrying it around. Why? <laughs> well, because the fifth element. <laughs> yeah. Because it's this movie and like it's just drenched in the style and the world building and like the craziness. It's, it's, it's what can... makes this movie so great. I can watch it for hours like i wish it was like five hours long like i mean it's just ah i mean we've all seen this movie like countless times but each time you catch something new yeah it's because it's so dense that, right like there's always gonna be something that you didn't catch before yeah well and i still like even so much of this movie because i feel like it did have that that low budget but or that not low budget necessary but like in terms of low technology but like these like high aspirations, like every moment that they do use, like when they're constructing Lilu in the yeah. in the incubator, like it still looks amazing. Like, oh yeah. I was like watching that, I was like, oh my god, this still looks great. Like yeah. after all these it, years, I can still watch this and like, it doesn't like completely pull me out of it. And I've seen movies like today where like the CGI completely just like rips me out of the movie. Uh, I mean, Marvel does a pretty good job of that at times. Yeah, Marvel like, has some pretty um, shit scenes. <laughs> oh, same thing with the shot when she jumps off of the ledge and falls into the cab. Like that, that, that shot beautiful. holds up so much better than a lot of things that are like CGI that are happening nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's it's just a really good use of the CGI that was available to them at the time it, yeah and, and blending it with right. practical which is how we, the best way to make the best use of cgi is using it to enhance practical effects exactly not using it on, on its own yeah instead of just like like i just watched a uh, underworld blood wars which <laughs> don't ask uh, <laughs> i was about to <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you could like see you could just see that like these actors are just hanging out in a giant green room for like three weeks you know like all the shots like yeah they're riding a motorcycle but probably in real life they're just sitting on a green box in like <laughs> a green room and end of story yeah 
but this it's just uh it's it's used really well we got to talk about uh ruby and like we got to talk yeah about oh no no ruby. i i have i have, believe me i i have some things to say about ruby that's for damn sure because best performance by chris tucker ever like ever in my opinion i love i love this character so much I think he's amazing. He's obnoxious and terrible, but just so funny yeah. and entertaining. And I like, like him in Friday more. Um, yeah. Okay. But I also, and also in this movie, it gets to a point where I liked him as a character, but I felt after a certain point, it was like, he literally doesn't need to be here. And they actually make a point like where he, his exit is just like, I'm out, I'm done. And then he just walks off and that's like the last we see of him. And I'm like, yeah, he could have done that like half an hour ago and still like it would have had no effect on how this movie went. Because even when they get to the temple, he doesn't do anything. Like he, Yeah, he's like, call him and I ain't got no fire. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And I'm just like, oh God, like like it'd be it'd be fine if you were like annoying like throughout most of this movie and then like had like a useful moment. Right. Like that would have I feel like that would have at least like made some of that um like more palatable he's he's captain exposition though like he, he gives out all the exposition for all the people that like don't matter later on like you know like like he's like he's like giving a corbin a tour of like all these like famous people and everything and like points out this like one famous guy who's like blind he's deaf like he's deaf that's composer right guy. he's deaf he's a composer and, and that's just to pay off the joke later where yes Bruce Willis needs the gun and it's... the guy throws him the insane. billiard balls it's yeah. it's insane and that's why i love him is that like it's like yeah you're right he tags onto the movie wait like for like 20 minutes way too long and like it's unnecessary especially when he's at the temple at the end it's like hey why is he still here yes like that doesn't make any sense but he's so colorful like he is like he is so like I mean, you could write a whole movie around this character. Well, no, like I said, I like him, um, and I kind of went back and forth between, um, yeah, he's just, like, kind of either being, like, I don't mind the character, it's just, it, it gets to a certain point where it's, he's either, like, unnecessary, like, a character can be unnecessary as long as it's not drawn on too long. Like, and that was the thing, was, like, he was unnecessary, but he also was drawn on too long. I very much enjoyed him, like for like the first part of his performance. But by the time we were getting to like, you know, the temple, I was like, okay, love you, Ruby, but you really don't need to be here. Yeah. No, he was, but I, I, like I said, I loved his character, but I just couldn't, right. It was just too much towards the end. It yeah. Was no, I, th I think that was just because like, that was more to do with the fact that, uh, he was like pulled out of his element and it was just like, Oh, you're totally useless now. Yeah. Like, why are you even here on this? Like you, you, you played your part on the boat. And the cruise and paradise and all that, yeah. And like being a crazy and if like and if the if the movie ended in like a more um like in like a music studio or if this movie was more related towards like Ruby's life or whatever and like his whole thing, then like it would make sense for him to be there at the end, you know. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like he plays the character well, and I feel like the character is supposed to be this over the top like, yeah, uh, abrasive like. Hot, like bigger than life personality it's just that character didn't need to be all the way through the movie oh sure that's yeah. the yeah i feel but, like chris tucker was entertaining in that character and i felt like it was more on like we should have pulled that character a little bit sooner than it actually happened yeah but it also plays up to like probably my favorite joke in the movie which is that when all the shit hits the fan and like the like the evil monsters or whatever like attack the cruise ship and like the opera singer gets shot, 
Ruby's still doing his show, and he doesn't end his show until they're on the fucking ship. And like at the very end, and he's like, "All right, that was Ruby, and I'm signing off." And he's like, "That was the greatest show I've ever done in my life." Yeah, <laughs> it was like, so good. That was and like, oh, he was he was yeah. fucking airing that entire time, like because that was beautiful. He's like got a lot of like great comedy in it, and like um. One of my wife's favorite things in this movie is hit when he like dismisses people and does like the <laughs> like she just loves that. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> that that um, and the the little makeup box thing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, which oh that was one that I like didn't catch for a long time. I don't think I caught that until like not this time, but the time before this time that I watched this movie, which was probably like maybe a year ago. Yeah. Um, I finally like I never caught that whole like the eye makeup. Uh, the Chanel box that she puts on her face. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, on back to Ruby for a second. Um, reportedly, uh, Prince was first offered the role. Oh, no Ruby. shit. Yeah, but he said that it was uh, apparently, reportedly, too effeminate. So, like, this is like, and I was like, this is why I'm like, I'm not sure. This is like, I read this and I'm not sure if this was 100% accurate, but reportedly, Prince was offered, which I could totally see Prince playing this role. Oh, 100%. And of of course, it would Prince be like more yeah. subdued. I feel like it would be more subdued. And He's more... way too shy to play it like Tucker did. Well, yeah. And I felt like that could have been, again, not necessarily for the, not, not necessarily worse if, if, if Prince played a more subdued version of this character. Oh, I love um, it. I, I know what you're saying, Craig, but like the more I see it, the more I love it. Like, it, like I, it used to be really annoying to me. And now I'm just like, I, I love my character so much. I love how loud he is and annoying. And like, how like the soundtrack just turns on whenever he talks. So, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that's just like the craziest thing to me. He just starts talking. And then like, there's like this, Oh yeah. And like, it's the weirdest thing. And it's like, this guy is the craziest. Like, I- I'm sorry. I'm no, just... no, yeah, no. But and I... also just the fact that this character would be like the most popular show yes. in this world. Like people oh, turn in to hear this yes. guy. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, but I just have to talk about this one part that like, again, with the stylized thing of this world, when uh corbin makes it to the the big cruise ship and like the uh the concierge lady is like showing the room and like telling him about his schedule and everything he's like oh this is your this is your room here's your suits and everything and he's like and here's your ticket you'll be sitting next to roby rodney or whatever and she just like starts she just yells it and it's so out of character and like weird and like I don't know. It's like she just says it like that because that's just how TV says it, you know, in the world that they're in. I think it's radio. Okay. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Radio is still popular. Yeah, terrestrial radio. (laughs) Terrestrial radio. Yeah. Okay. um, (laughs) So, um, we haven't talked about the diva scene. Is that the best music scene in any movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, outside of, like, a musical. Outside of a musical. Like, in, like, a regular movie that, like, takes a break to have, like, a full-on musical performance. Is this the best one in any movie? No, it's the best. I, I think so. Yeah. It's, 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 to, 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 yeah, for, like, a, it's a diegetic music scene. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It is the best one yeah. I've seen, for sure. I'd say followed closely by the, uh, the dance scene in Ex Machina. That was really fun. But that was oh, really yeah. like a, that wasn't really like a a live performance no. within the within the movie. Right. But as a fuck yeah, as far as like a music break within a movie, I I'd say that this one is followed closely by that one in terms of just like this is kind of weird and it doesn't really have like a whole lot to do with the actual plot of the movie, but this is fucking awesome. But it's so great that I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Like I am willing to watch this like whatever 5 minute, 3 minute 
performance, even though it has nothing to do with the movie, just because of how great it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was the other movie? What was the one that we saw that had the, oh, Gamer. Gamer with uh, Michael C. Hall. He had that dance scene in the right. Gamer. Michael yeah, Hall that was the... like the only redeeming part in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Michael C. Hall doing a, da- a show dance number. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, ugh, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah, Tell us yeah, what you really I'm, think, I'm Dennis. I'm mad that you reminded me of it just now. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do we got? Um, Fifth element. Yeah. I also really enjoyed that or not really enjoyed, but I was still questioning, like, after all of these years, what is that chocolate syrup coming out of Gary Oldman's head supposed to be? Like, is that supposed to be blood? Is that supposed to be, like, is he actually, like, a robot? Like, part robot or cyborg? No, that's the contact with the evil, because the same thing happens to the military commander at the beginning. Yes. Like, um, like, he's, like, it's almost like a hip, it's, it's, like, it's the evil communicating with whoever is getting it because like the military commander at the beginning is almost like hypnotized by it and he just like keeps launching missiles at it and like he won't answer the president the president's like respond respond and he's just standing there and then like black shit starts oozing down the his forehead yeah but i'm saying like that has to come from inside of him somewhere Oh, no, no, I, I, right, I get what you're right. saying because I go back and oh, forth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I go back and forth myself whether it's supposed to be blood or whether it's like just something that's generated from contact with the evil, but I can't settle on what yeah. it is. No, and it's even more confusing because when the, the shot of when it happens to Oldman and it pulls away from him, you could see where like clearly someone offset is just pouring Hershey's syrup on his head and because it's like right on the plastic shell and yeah. it's like not coming out of his scalp or like a wound yeah. or anything. It's just like being poured by like a stagehand. And so, yeah, no, there's confusion there. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, the rest of my stuff is just like little nitpicky things because it's like I've seen this movie so many times and so I'm like oh what the hell was that like when she uh, when Lilu is like doing like her like learning everything like the information download and she's like stopped for a minute to go get some food and she like puts the pellet in the microwave and like pulls it out and she's like mm, chicken. chicken I'm like oh she mm, must not have gotten to chicken. tea I was like she must not have gotten to tea yet because that's definitely a turkey that she pulls out <laughs> I, I actually did notice that this time too. Like she's saying chicken and it is huge. There yeah. is not a chicken that is. I was like, either hormones have gotten way out of control in this future. Well, or might have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or she hasn't like, gotten to tea yet and doesn't realize that that's a turkey. Well, actually in real life, KFC has been working on making chickens that are that big. Cause like they did like a test market thing of trying to make chicken legs, the size of turkey legs. Why so, not just use turkey? Yeah, we have turkey, and it's so it much. Already exists it's so delicious. Because they're like, KFC, and they have to experiment because they're monsters. They're, yeah, they're they're crazy. That whole that whole her learning by like the alphabet thing infuriates me. The more I watch this movie, like every time, because it's like, okay, I would get more down with like her freaking out when she comes across war in W, and like her having this like huge depressing thing. <laughs> she also freaked out when she came across love in L, you know? Or, like, genocide in G. Right. Like, <laughs> or, like, other things that are fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah. Genocide or, like, G. R, rape. Like, there's right. so many horrible things that are before war in the alphabet that she <laughs> would have passed that somehow it's like, oh, war. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's the one where that finally gets her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was fine with serial killers in S. Yeah. Like, oh, that's fine. As long as we're on, like, little nitpicky things, um, 
the ship that they take to get to Florston Paradise, they are regularly, uh, regularly, regularly referring to it as a plane. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> did Amy Nicholson write this portion of the movie? It's a space plane. It's a plane. It's a space plane, yes. <laughs> Amy Nicholson. But it looks like a plane. Uh, oh, yeah. Else? Also, yeah, back into the alphabet thing, because she says all the everything that humans create is used to destroy. It's like, again, she must have skipped over, like, medicine or, like, any of the other, like, things that are, like, like anything health-oriented, like, in terms of, like, inventions right, yeah. and developments in human technology. But, no, yeah, everything is used to destroy. I'm like, come on, Lilu. Don't generalize. Not all humans. Hashtag well, not all humans, guys. All right. That was kind of at the moment in the movie where you can kind of tell they're like, oh, we got to end this. Uh, we're kind of at a budget now. Like, because, uh, like, old, like, like how they wrap up Oldman's character, like Zarn, where he's just like, he opens up the, the, the stone box again and, like, they're not in there. And he's like, they're not in there. And, like, flips out in an awesome way. Like, fucking amazing. And uh, he, like, just set a bomb on the cruise ship and it's like counting down and he's just like marching back in there to turn it off to look for the stones and like immediately gets blown up by another bomb that's well, yeah like he stops off. his countdown at five and yeah. then like the mangalore like with perfect precision and timing flips over and activates their bomb which continues the countdown right at five right at five <laughs> and like to me that's like i love that i love how they executed that but it also just reeks of like lazy like Oh, we got all these loose ends we need to tie up. Let's just tie them up with a bomb. Like, sweet. Uh, yeah, I think it works. Like, it, it does. Like yeah. I said, it, it, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like it was like, oh, yeah, this movie needs to end. All uh, right. It's time for James Bond Connection. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. There are, uh, there are two for this movie. Ooh. Um, the army lady with the Princess Leia haircut when they come to recruit uh, Dallas. She is also the busty Russian pipeline worker who helps James uh, smuggle General Kosov out of the country in The Living Daylights. She is played by Julie T. Wallace. Uh, the other one is that this movie is uh, scored by Eric Serra, the same guy who did the god-awful score for Goldeneye. Oh. <laughs> that's a you pretty... just say everything about Goldeneye, don't you? No, 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 no. no. no that's Die is... Another Day that that you really despise. Everyone should uh, yes, hate that movie. Yes. I haven't seen actually... it since I was a kid. So Goldeneye I don't really is one of my favorites. Well. Yeah, Gold... yeah, yeah. Goldeneye is my uh, is my uh, uh, Bond mitzvah. Mine as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to hear more about a, a young man's Bond mitzvah, listen to uh, James Bonding the episode. Um, uh, spot. No, it's um. It's one of the Timothy Daltons, isn't it? No, it's a uh, more. It's um, for your eyes only. For with your, Thomas Lennon. Thomas Lennon only. is the one who coins the term Bond Mitzvah. <laughs> for your eyes only is probably my favorite of the it, Roger Moore. It's my favorite Roger Moore. Yeah. Yep. Um. All right. Well, I guess that we're gonna be wrapping up Fifth Element. Got anything else you'd like to talk about in this wonderful movie? Um. Yeah, I think we've pretty much picked it picked it clean. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um I'm sure there's some things that I'll be referencing. Um I'm really glad you picked this movie, Craig. It's an excellent movie to cover, especially in a sci fi block. And so thank you. Yeah. Um it's just it's everything that I love in a stylized movie. Like when um like the things that people love about Quentin Tarantino's movies, like this is what I love about this movie, is like just awesome stylized choices by the director for world building purposes and to really pull you into something that's like completely made up yeah um 
it's just really well done uh all right well if that ends us for our second part in our five part block of sci-fi movies um we will go into any kind of corrections and omissions from last week which was europa report I actually have one from Fate of the Furious. Oh! Um, I said that um, the Brazilian police lady was in six as Hobbs' assistant. She kind of is, but she's not really. She's in like the very beginning, and then at the end she helps to smuggle uh, Brian and Mia's kid away from the Shaw team. Mm. Um, but she is Hobbs' assistant in Furious 7. She like comes in and when he's fighting Jason Statham and they get right. blown out of the window yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah, The Rock saves her. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, and she would have been pregnant She then. was pregnant yes. as fuck. She oh, my God. super pregnant, and yeah, that would have totally cost a miscarriage because she fell like four stories onto a On car. Onto, yeah. Yeah, but yes. it, it wouldn't be any different than what Mia endures in Fast Five. <laughs> That's true. Like, right before she tells Brian that she's, she's pregnant, pregnant, she like jumps through like a whole like five stories of favelas. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, I can't go through a sewer. I'm pregnant. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry for, for uh, asking. But yeah, that was my one little clarification I wanted to make. All right. Um, yeah, I can't think of any from from those. Um, just fucking crazy ass movies. Um, yeah. Uh, Craig, you got anything you'd like to? Anything you'd like to omit or correct from an omission? Um, <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to retroactively omit. <laughs> I'd like to go back and omit something. Oh, I, I didn't say this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, then we will go forward into our recommendations. Um, what hot recommendations do you guys have? Um, uh, yeah, I just like blew through Dear White People. It is amazing and... I mean, it's getting a lot of flack online, obviously. Because, what is it? Um, it is uh, the show based off of the movie. Um, and essentially, it is about a... Uh, there was a movie? Call- yes, there was. Uh, I haven't actually seen the movie. I just start- I just watched the show. And I was going to watch one episode and ended up blasting through the whole thing. Um, and it's about a college radio DJ who is um, essentially very vocal about black rights and... And kind of does the satirical show that is uh, meant to highlight the uh, everyday racism that a lot of the black students on that campus are feeling. It's kind of like a, I don't know if it's a fictional school. I don't, I'm not sure. I think it is, but um, it's kind of like an Ivy League type school. And um, essentially, they're, yeah, they're just. It's it's a lot of highlighting on um, on both sides of you know of this of the issue in terms of. Um, in terms of black people, you know, kind of being against each other and judging each other and also like the oppression and marginalization that comes from um, white people as well. And it does a really good job of laying those issues out and addressing them in a way that um, despite what a lot of people are saying in terms of the name of it is not only just a uh, berating of white people and white culture, it, it hits every table, like everyone gets um everyone gets the realness from this show so highly recommended cool uh i recommend uh better call saul um season two just came out on netflix and uh making my way through it i'm finding it to be like as good as breaking bad vince gilligan is is such a great um showrunner and creator and bob odenkirk is such a good actor and it, it just takes all these same characters and really explores the world in a different way. It's it's really great. It takes a more comedic approach to the 
Uh, it, it does and it doesn't. It's it's still like very much a drama, but it's got mm. you know comedic elements in it. But it's it's kind of the story of Saul and like how he got to be where he was in Breaking Bad. Ah, interesting. And that's on Netflix. It's on. Well, the season one and two are on Netflix. Ah, and uh, where can you find Dear White People? Netflix. Netflix it is as a well? Netflix original. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, those are some recommendations. Um, I got one that's from the video game world, so I'm sure a lot of our 13 listeners are going to not listen, care about this one. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're a fan of the Grand Theft Auto uh, series, um, I just started playing a great one. It's not in that series, but it's a lot like it. Just Cause 2. It's like you're a star in your own action movie. It is amazing. I played the first one, and it was really fun. Oh, 2 is fantastic. It's very sandboxy. Yeah, it's like probably the biggest sandbox game i've played just as far as like square acreage it's probably because you haven't played breath of the wild yet from what i hear like, no yeah it's supposed <laughs> oh to be God. like the massive. acreage really? of breath of the wild yeah. is insane well, i mean i played some i probably played some bigger ones but just as like as far as like single player ones like just just cause two is just i mean it's it dwarfs any grand theft auto that has come out that i know of um it's you're like right off the bat you have like a grappling hook and a parachute and that's like how you get around and so it's like this like crazy fun house like you're in an action movie yeah and it's amazing like shit blows up and you get points for it and it's like <laughs> this is fun and you jump shit and like it's just everything that like makes gta fun but like better in my opinion like it's a blast um so yeah if you're looking for something like that it's been out forever i think it's a, it's definitely over 10 years old is that a ps4 exclusive uh or no PS3? It, but no it came out on like i think it started on either the xbox or 360 or okay that generation of like playstation 2 or playstation 3 it's not exclusive i know okay um it, i'm playing it on uh the computer through steam um which is sweet because then there's also a multiplayer mod which is just insane because <laughs> Oh yeah, for uh, that you're out PC master race. Hey. <laughs> um, Just kidding. So yeah, that's that's my nerdy recommendation. Uh, some fun action video game. Yay! Action. Yay. All right. Um, well, on to I guess um, just some plugging plugging some people. Um, uh, whoa well, there, Dennis. Got a people plug or yeah, plug plug up the people. Pl- plug plug <laughs> up the people. Plug it up, plug it up. <laughs> Plugging y'all, bitches. Um, <laughs> first, I'd just like to hit my uh, regular um, local ones is uh, Mirror Fears Music. Check her out. Um, she's out of Denver, and uh, I really love her music. You can find it on uh, mirrorfears.bandcamp.com, um, and you can listen to it. You can purchase it. You can also find it on SoundCloud, and you can follow her on Twitter at, um, at Mirror Fears. Uh, also, uh, check out uh, www.colinparson.com. That's Colin spelled with two L's. It's a art art t- art friend. It's an artist friend of mine. He does um, big like it art installation pieces. So it's like sculptures, and uh, he incorporates light, and it's really interesting and kind of trippy, man. Um, other than that, I got a few uh, just some some podcasts. We're we're delving into the wide world of DIY movie review podcasts. So this is an awesome, really supportive uh, network found on Twitter. Repping uh, movie pod squad in this bitch. Yeah, yeah. What up? Shout out. Um, you guys have been great. You're so much love. Feel the love. I love you all. You're great. Uh, just a few people that I've been listening to is a cinematic. Uh, aversion therapy you can uh, there's ca therapy ca underscore therapy on twitter 
Also, Epic Film Guys. I've been listening to you guys. Uh, shout out to your Megasode. Awesome, fun stuff. Um, and Backseat Directors. Um, how about you guys? Have been listening to any of those do-it-yourselves? Uh, there's one called Rewind Cinema, uh, which I've been listening to a little bit, enjoying. Um, yeah, I listened to uh, the Countdown Pod a little bit. It's mm. a pretty fun one. They're uh, the Countdown PC on Twitter. Pretty fun stuff there. They got one. They got like a whole little poll going right now on top ten sexiest scenes. Ooh. I would vote, but unfortunately, I've not seen any of the movies. That are on oh, really? <laughs> Give us an example. Uh, so yeah, the options are uh, Out of Sight, Showgirls, and Basic Instinct. And oh, I've shit. not seen any I of those. I haven't seen any of those. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. There's so many movies. Out I mean, there, what guys. is it about? Like, I don't know. Something about like a movie with like a bunch of sexy women. I just, I don't know. It just kind of doesn't click. It just kind of skipped not over it for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Too. I don't know why. Yeah. But, yeah. It's weird. But. That doesn't compete for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, um, one thing I'd like to say is like just uh, like with these uh, all these movie review podcasts. Um, God, there are so many movies out there. Like I thought I've watched a lot of movies and I haven't seen oh, yeah. shit. There's so many I need to see. Oh my god. Um, I am also performing at an event for the Rocky Mountain Arts Association, uh, Cabaret Unleashed, Love for Sale. At the Mercury Cafe here in Denver on May 12th, from, uh, starting at 6 p.m., I'm performing with some people from the uh, Denver Gay Men's Chorus and the Denver Women's Chorus. Uh, you can get those tickets at rmarts.org. And um, yeah, if you're local and listening to this, come check it out. Yeah, and that'll be in a few days from when this airs. <laughs> All right, Colin, you got anything? I do not. All right. It's because you're friendless and loveless, and exactly. everyone hates you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, you can follow this podcast on um, Twitter. We got we just updated our handle. Our handle is now at IWITWT, which is less of a hand- mouthful and matches everything else that we're associated with. It's also the acronym of our podcast, which is I Want You to Watch This. And if you haven't learned that by now, then what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I, no, seriously. Like, I'm curious. How'd you get this far and listen well, to this podcast? You don't even know the title Somebody to. could be listening to this as, like, their first episode. But, yeah, they're just like, yeah, oh, But wow. they still downloaded it, and it says, they know I the want name. you to watch this. So yeah. they know what it's called. It's like, tell me how. <laughs> How'd you know? How'd you find this? <laughs> Um, you can listen to all of our episodes on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com forward slash IWITWT and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash IWITWT. You can follow us individually on Twitter. Um, I'm at the Debucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. All right. Um, ooh, and uh, please write us a review on uh, iTunes or Stitcher. Or Overwatch. I think you'd write reviews on Overwatch. Um, or go even go on fucking SoundCloud. Or just tell people about our podcast. Because all of these things help us grow our audience. Especially the word of mouth. That is the number one way that we can grow our numbers. And get other people listening to us. Which is just fun. I think it's fun to do. And it's it's even more fun knowing that there's like people out there that enjoy it as much as we do. Because this is fun to do. Also, um, if you are interested in being a guest, you can contact us on our Twitter feed at IWITWT. We would be more than happy to have you on our podcast. All right. Well, um, I feel like I'm rambling now. And so I'm going to wrap up this here episode of uh, our part two of our sci-fi block, which is Fifth Element. And join us next week for uh, what are we watching, Colin? Uh, we are going to go to uh, 1979's uh, sci-fi horror masterpiece by Ridley Scott. Alien. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
It's great. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's, it's a great movie. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, bye.